Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Hello and welcome to this NHS Employers Streamlining podcast. My name is Gaynor Deakin and I'm the Area Head of Engagement for Midlands and East at NHS Employers. Today I'm joined by Alan DeFell, Director of Workforce at the Royal Wolverhampton NHS Trust here in the West Midlands. In this podcast, we will talk to Alan about his role as the chair of the National Streamlining Steering Group and the achievements of the group. It will be good to hear about the main challenges being encountered in this programme of work, as well as any advice and encouragement Alan could give to trusts on their implementation journey. So firstly, Alan, what made you want to get involved in the National Streamlining Steering Group? Thanks, Gaynor. As most people will be aware that actually streamlining originally started in, in London, and uh, not long after that, I took up a post within the East Midlands. And I remember distinctly being part of a presentation with other HR directors in the network, which was talking about what was being done in London. At that meeting, every single HRD there felt that actually this was the direction of travel for the East Midlands and signed up to that. Karen Martin, who at that point in time took over as the executive sponsor for the project in the East Midlands, 18 months later when Karen moved on to the West Midlands, I then took over as executive lead for the East Midlands for the whole sponsor group in relation to where streamlining. About 18 months later from there on, I was asked if I'd actually consider establishing and actually leading on chairing the National Streamlining Group to actually get a level of coordination and consistency of streamlining from a national perspective. So what success would you say the National Steering Group has had so far, Alan? So since I took on the role as chair, we've done a number of things really. First and foremost has been bringing executive sponsors from around the regions really in one place. Also including NHSI in that process, ESR leads, Health Education England and various others really. Because we needed to get everybody together to actually understand what are the key issues and blockers that we had. And actually what are the key learnings that we could share between each other rather than each region or each area trying to reinvent the real. We also recognised during the time we've been here, the DBS played a key role in trying to streamlining processes. So we got the DBS service involved with some of the conversation we had and how they could help work towards making it easier for the organisations to streamline the efficiency of their recruitment processes and services. We all, or the vast majority of us, use ESR as our core workforce information system. So again, we brought ESR around the table to have conversations to actually understand what the blockers were with ESR and what we expected or what we'd like to see ESR do to help enable and promote streamlining to work more effectively. Another common question that came up and we've used during the time was how does CQC fit in within this? We all know that CQC actually look at our employment practices when they come to inspect us and actually streamlining didn't necessarily align as well as it could have to actually the process of CQC inspection so we brought CQC into the conversation to understand actually how this took place and how this informed some of their inspections and how we tried to make streamlining work between organisations. And finally, we, knew, we know that irrespective of recruitment of staff moving on, we know our junior doctors have an automatic rotation round 
the system around the NHS and it was pivotal to try and make that rotation and that movement as key and as simple as possible. Luckily NHSI got on board with that and joined us and tried to do some joint work to the point where NHSI now has set up a standalone project about how we're supporting our junior doctors moving around the system to actually make streamlining work from their perspective. Looking forward now, could you just take us through what the um, key priorities are for, for this year? I think going forward, we need to still learn from the outcomes of the Doctors and Training Streamlining Project. So I think there's going to be some great learning from what's happened with there. And as that moves from region to region, I think at the same time, we need to look at what's coming out of that process and actually understand how we can feed that across. I think there's some really unusual and really some interesting ideas that are coming out of the different regions within the northeast, the northwest, west and other areas. And I think we need to pick up on some of that best practice and see how we can actually learn from that and spread that across the other areas. I think we've done some really excellent resources through NHS employers and actually those are available but I think we need to continue to refine and develop those resources to make available to trusts who want to go down this route. Anything to avoid us actually having to reinvent the wheel is a good, view, good way forward in my view so actually taking that forward is really key. I think there's going to be more work in the next coming years with the key providers of our workforce systems particularly ESR. Are they really fit for purpose in relation to supporting streamlining? Can they do anything more? So I think there's going to be a key focus in the next 12 months and beyond that, but how we can actually get that as fit for purpose and as supportive as possible for the whole streamlining process. I honestly still think there's some more work to be done about really understanding the benefits of streamlining and promoting that more widely. In my personal view, we already have an undisputable business case for change. But actually, if that was true and everybody bought into that, streamlining wouldn't be where it is now. It would be further advanced. So I still think there's further work to be done to really sell and understand that business case, to make it genuinely undisputable across NHS organisations so that we're all working forward towards the same common aim. Um, we're sat here at your, your very own trust at the Royal Wolverhampton. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing around here on streamlining? Long before the NHSI decided to take forward a national programme on streamlining, there was a smaller pilot done across a number of regions relating to doctors and training, and our trust put ourselves forward for that. And, and we did a number of pieces of work, really, which was a really excellent exercise in tightening up our processes and systems to actually make it better. An area where we have seen some really good benefits is in relation to mandatory training. We've actually been able to cut down significantly the amount of time we spend in our mandatory training. And rather than lose that time altogether, we've changed our induction to be more of a genuine induction process, focusing on onboarding our staff. What does it feel to work in this organisation? What are the values? Values, what are the expectations of working here rather than just actually going through a whole range of mandatory training topics which actually on many of our staff may have done in previous areas so that's one of the areas we've saved some of the time and how we've utilized that time. What advice would you give to others at the start of this journey Alan? Thanks, Gaynor. I've reflected on that question. There's probably a lot of things I wish I'd known many years ago when I first started this programme, both in this trust and previous NHS trusts. I think the first and foremost is getting executive buy-in, getting the HR director and ideally the chief exec to clearly and outwardly say that actually whether you're in or not, 
Lots, lots of uh, times in my previous organisation where issues have cropped up is where an individual organisation has not fully declared whether it's in or whether it's out and between that grey space often difficulties arise so I think it's really important to get that clear commitment for this is the direction of travel very early on. I think now as we're moving forward in the NHS there's a real need to link it towards the STP work I think we all need to make savings, we all need to make efficiencies, we all need to make the experience for our staff as we move around the system as best as we can. And typically staff will move within a local system, within your STP system. So I think linking this towards the, towards the wider work of the STP is fairly critical going forward. Another tip I'd probably suggest as well, and it's probably, I wish I'd taken my own advice many years ago on this, is start small. Which are the areas between organisations you can agree upon and actually use that as your starting point to make it forward. If you try and eat the whole elephant, you'll find a whole range of reasons and issues that you don't, disagree, you don't agree on and that can slow the whole process down. So I think starting, on which, starting small, which bit actually do you already agree on to make that forward? Given ESR is our pivotal workforce information system, I think another tip I'd suggest is really establishing a clear understanding how each of the organisations and part of your streamlining group are using ESR. Although we all have the same system, it's clear that individual organisations don't necessarily utilise it the same way and having that level of understanding of how the different organisations are using ESR is fairly critical I think going forward. And, and aligned to that but not specifically to that is actually understanding any significant policies or IT systems which actually could get in the way or contracts so I think looking at organizational policies that you currently have and IT systems which may or may not support this at least being upfront and understanding what those are will be really useful. And finally the last tip I'd often say really is is in some cases when this information or when this work comes fed through to individual teams, recruitment teams and service teams, it can be seen as an additional piece of work, something to add to what they've already got as a very busy day job. I think the perception of this is fairly critical really because what we're really talking about is HR best practice and rather than being seen as additional work, we need to incorporate this within the day in job of an HR role. So actually I think our managers and HR directors have got a key role about actually engaging with their teams so they understand what they're doing from the bigger picture really and this is not additional piece of work extra this is actually about how we translate HR best practice and the day job of HR into making things better for our staff and for the organisation. Can you share with us Alan any insights on how organisations have embraced streamlining um, and, and, and the successes that they've had in improving their HR and employment processes. Thanks, Gaynor. I think the use of resources and the resources made available have made a big difference, really, and some organisations have really, really benefited from this. I mean, one example is Basildon and Thurrock. They've now implemented a number of changes that's resulted in a reduction in their recruitment processing time from 35 days down to 19 days, and the overall time to hire has gone from 26 weeks to 15 weeks. That's an incredible improvement for that organisation, really. And it just sort of highlights some of the benefits you can really get out of this. Another organisation of the Trust is Cambridgeshire and Peterborough. They've reduced their time for the new starters spend on corporate induction training. They've actually now have a pre-hire ESR into authority transfer process, which accepts the existing compliance of the core skills. 
and actually the project savings for doing this has actually saved somewhere in the reach of £90,000 in one financial year. Thank you, Alan. It's been an insightful and enjoyable conversation. You've given us a good overview of how the National Steering Group works and how streamlining HR and employment processes is enhancing the experience of onboarding and staff movement and staff portability in the NHS. If anyone would like more information about the National Steering Group for Streamlining or want to access our resources and case studies to support implementation, please visit our Streamlining Resource Hub at nhsemployers.org forward slash streamlining. Thanks for listening.